0: Dear Hank and John. Nor is I prefer to think of it. Dear John and Hank.
1: It's a comedy podcast where me and my brother John answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon.
0: John, tell me about how you're doing. I'm doing wonderfully, Hank, because of the AFC Wimbledon news. There's good good and there's bad in the world right now, Hank, as, as is usually the case. But right now, for me, the good is outweighing the bad. The bad being I'm in a lot of dental pain... Also, the sun has not shown here in Indianapolis for, like, 73 consecutive days. It's been too long since Taylor Swift played a concert here, obviously. Uh, But on the upside, Hank, AFC Wimbledon, I'm not even going to wait till the end of the podcast. AFC Wimbledon— Wait, 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 wait. There's all—that's the whole reason for the end of the podcast. You got to make them wait. Are you kidding? I have tons of news from AFC Wimbledon for the end of the podcast. But, Hank, just to establish this at the outset— AFC Wimbledon are in the playoffs. They are in the League Two playoffs. In fact, they have a twenty-five percent chance of having a one hundred percent chance of playing next year in the third tier of English football.
1: That's very weird and exciting. I uh, I I cannot believe that hope is the thing with feathers. Uh, and I actually have been following AFC Wimbledon a surprising amount since we have not recorded the podcast in a couple of weeks. I felt like I wasn't getting enough AFC Wimbledon News. and I'm sure you did the same with the Mars news that you've been there on Google News uh, searching Mars, seeing what's up uh, and and you know you're probably up to date as well.
0: Well, I mean, the nice thing about uh, Mars news is that it's sort of year round. AFC Wimbledon News really reaches this like peak intensity once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been following the news from Mars actually. in fact, I I have a guess what I think your news from Mars is going to be this week. Uh, but anyway, how are you? You're about to go on a tour for uh, to, to support, I was going to say, your new album, but in fact, you don't have a new album.
1: No, I don't. Uh, though, this week, I will be releasing a new song, um, but no, new, no new album, uh, too many things going on. I have enough new material for a new album, but we just haven't had the time to record it. Um
0: uh, the, the yeah, so we're just too we're, bad. I'm excited about whenever whenever you're ready for a new album. I'm very excited. for Okay,
1: it. well we we are going on tour uh, in Texas, uh, a, a little bit of Arizona and California, and also Lawrence, Kansas, which remarkably is one of our best selling stops. You wouldn't think Lawrence, Kansas, among stops like Austin and Los Angeles and Dallas and Houston
0: and and San Francisco would be one of our best sellers, but there it is, John. You never know where Nerdfighteria is. It always surprises you. Um, Can I read you a poem? Oh, yes, of course. Hank, it will uh, surprise and delight you to learn that today's poem comes from Emily Dickinson. Oh. There is no frigate like a book to take us lands away, nor any coursers like a page of prancing poetry. This traverse may the poorest take without oppressive toll, how frugal is the chariot that bears the human soul. Emily Dickinson with a little love song to books, Hank. It was a little, a little love song. That was a, that was a short, short poem, John. Now I like them short.
1: That's, I apologize for not having anything more intelligent than that to say. Uh, but, but that's fine. Let's get to the uh, questions from our listeners. First, I, I want to, I want to switch up the format a little bit and do first a little bit of feedback from a listener. This is from Tom, mm. who says that uh, last episode or in a previous episode you bemoaned that there was no band called Toxic Megacolon, but in fact there is one. Uh, There is a band, it appears to be a university band on Columbia Medical University... Uh, And they have a few YouTube videos. Uh, So Toxic Toxic Megacolon,
0: it's a band of med students. Yeah, you should search for it on YouTube. But when you search for Toxic Megacolon on YouTube, you must do so very cautiously. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Another bit of feedback, Hank. Uh, Our favorite podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me, mentioned us. In fact, called us geniuses. So thanks, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Oh, those McElroy brothers. They're geniuses, too. They're the geniuses. Um, And our last bit of feedback before we get to uh, questions from our listeners comes from Sarah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'd like to present a counter-argument to John's frequent point that all of us and everything are destined for oblivion. According to physics, matter cannot be created or destroyed, merely changed. That even includes the brain cells that form this thought, and when we die, the matter that makes us will be recycled back into the universe for as long as it exists, and perhaps will be part of whatever follows it. That's not good news to me, Sarah. No. Because what you're basically telling me is that, like, later... Like, my thoughts will be turned into, like, poop and dirt. And I don't find that to be at all comforting. But good try. <laughs> it really all comes down
1: to what identity is. And if you want to talk more about that, go over, check out Crash Course, where I'm currently teaching philosophy at YouTube.com slash Crash Course.
0: <laughs> Man, that was a—I have to say, Hank, uh, that was a hard-won plug— well we just talked about that we just talked about the ship of
1: theseus and how all of our body gets replaced and yet we still exist and what is what is us anyway and i can i can tell you that us is not the atoms that make us up well
0: hank uh i I will tell you that the ship of theseus is not not in my new book (laughs) (laughs) all right we want to do some questions john yes let's answer some questions from our beloved listeners
1: This question is from Zoe, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I recently sent John a lot of Snapchats, but he hasn't answered any of them yet. I wanted to know whether you answer your snaps yourself or have some kind of Snapchat manager, or if you answer them at all.
0: Uh, I do not have a Snapchat manager, although I find that idea hilarious. I mean, the the great thing about Snapchat is that you sort of can't fake it, you know? Um, You can't schedule Snapchats, at least as far as I know, and you can't have, like, your... uh, you know your assistant Snapchat for you because they can tell if it's your face or not.
1: Right. I mean, you could you could give the the phone to someone and have them like go out and point it at things and then write John Greeny kind of quotes on the bottom mm. of them. Uh
0: but but no. Uh, do you do you even know that you can get snaps from other people? I know that I can get snaps from other people because I uh Sarah and I send Snapchats of the kids back and forth to each other quite a bit uh using the hilarious filters, but I don't know um much about Snapchatting with strangers, that seems like a risky business and one that, that I would do well to avoid. So it's, it's truly nothing personal. Yes. I, I just, uh, I don't really know how to do that. And I don't think it's something that I want to learn how to do.
1: I think that there's, I think that, I think that you can actually, I, I have it turned off. I cannot get snaps from strangers, but I don't know that strangers can't send them to me. I just know that I can't see them. So it's possible that you're sending mm. Snapchats into a kind of void I definitely cannot see a Snapchat if you send it to me.
0: Yeah, so we're sorry that our Snapchats uh, have to be a one-way street, but we just feel like that is uh, the right That's a t- way. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the right way. All right, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Rachel, who asks, Dear John and Hank, when I was a kid, my mom told me not to look at the microwave while it was running because it was bad for my eyes. Is that true? No. No, it isn't true. But I have to say, I say that to my kids, even though I know it's not true. (laughs) Um, And I also tell my kids that they can't stand too close to the television because it will be bad for their eyes, even though I also know that's not true. And there are times, in fact, when I say, Henry, you're standing too close to the TV. And he just turns around and says, why? Why? Why is this too close to the TV? Why is there like a preset distance between the TV and me that is acceptable according to my father? (laughs) And I don't really know the answer to that question, but I know that I'm right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I would want to sit
0: as close to the TV
1: as possible, which is very strange to me now. Yeah. uh, Because I... I, do, I I experience pain when I get too close to the television, but I guess that pain is a kind of joy when you're a child. It's just like, oh, the stimulus! I am so stimulated. I can uh, all of the photons. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, no microwaves are pretty safe, uh, and, and the uh, the waves that that uh, might be destructive, uh, you you would feel them as heat because that's how uh, they would. That's how, that's what they do. They interact with water and if they were reaching you you would you would think ah i feel warm if you ever feel like you're, you've turned your microwave on and uh and you're feeling warmth coming out of it like it's like radiating out of that that's because there's something very wrong uh, and the screen has been removed uh, the metal screen that protects you from the microwaves my grandfather actually once told me a story about how he would stand in korea in the korean war would stand in front of the microwave antennas to warm up
0: Which is not a good idea. Which grandfather? Uh, 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 Mom's dad. Really? Yeah. Now, I don't want to question your memory, but I'm reasonably sure that uh, our maternal grandfather did not uh, serve in the armed forces during the Korean conflict.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) well, it is completely possible that this is a manufactured memory. But But I do want to text mom and ask her.
0: He did serve in in World War Two. I don't believe he served in Korea, but what what do I know? I'm just his grandson. Uh, <laughs> you you know him better, knew him better than I did. Uh, so so it's... I mean only barely, just because he once gave me an extremely intense lecture when I was a junior in high school. As. Uh, The main way in which I was closer to our grandfather than you were, um, because I went to boarding school and he pulled me out one day in the middle of school and told me that I was not taking my opportunities seriously and that I was a disgrace. Wow. Which actually turned out to be really helpful. (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, I,
1: it it is, it is often that we manufacture our memories, but, uh, but I know that that is, that that, that is a thing that could work. Uh, And I can't imagine that. I can't imagine (laughs) that I made that up. Whether
0: or not our grandfather actually warmed (laughs) up near uh, microwave radio towers, he could have. He could have. Absolutely could have. We'll get another
1: question from Anna Catherine, who asks, dear Hank and John, "'I dislike showers. Showers are bothersome. They take up time that I could be using to read or watch a TV show or doing my college work, practicing an instrument or listening to your podcast.'" It just seem like a waste of time. Do you have any tips for how to enjoy a shower that you do might be able I? to share? Yes. Oh
0: man. Yes, I do. I do. I do not know how to not enjoy a shower. I completely agree with Anna Catherine. Showers are intensely unenjoyable because you are alone with your own thoughts. You are aware that yourself is a prison from which you can never escape. It is an awful, awful thing, and you're being pelted by water. You're essentially being like a Attacked by very low-level watery gunfire. I, I, I,
1: should have. I should have not even asked the question because I should have known that it would have been immediately been a. Uh, you are uncomfortable with your own thoughts, moment <laughs> for John. I don't. You. I don't know that. I don't know that this is as common as you seem to think it is. <laughs> Maybe it is, oh, but I. Boy. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I do sometimes uh, lament. Activities that should be enjoyable because I need to get other stuff done. But I, I uh, maybe, uh, maybe sing, yeah. Maybe sing some songs in there. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe have an agenda before you go in and say, I'm going to think about these three things. Yeah, I'm going to deal with some issues. But more than anything, uh, what helps me really enjoy a shower is being cold beforehand because there's nothing I like more than warming up. Uh, and I, I am often cold because I live in Montana.
0: So here's my answer, Anna Catherine. Stop taking showers. Do what your ancestors <laughs> did and bathe in still water. Um, then Ugh. you can listen to a podcast. Uh, if you're willing to, to risk it holding, holding your phone over the bathwater, you can even watch a show. While you're taking a bath, all the things that you don't like about showering, you you can fix by bathing.
1: Uh, I I don't really understand baths, but uh, but is is it just the process of laying there that gets you clean? You must actually have to scrub and stuff. What's the the laying there portion? Isn't oh sure. At some point, you have to soap up, but
0: you're listening to a podcast. It's right, enjoyable. Okay, so. Yeah, but you can't have, like, your hands holding a phone. No, I like to read for the first—what I usually do is I usually read a book for the first 20 minutes of my bath.
1: 20 minutes?
0: Yeah. This is not helping Anna Catherine save time. Well, I mean, she's trying to save time so that she can do the things she enjoys doing, like reading, watching TV shows, and listening to our podcast, all of which you can do in the bath.
1: Yeah, I—uh, okay. But I don't think that you're actually getting clean during
0: that time. You're just laying in your own filth. No, at that that part, you're just soaking. You're just letting the day's stresses just leave your body. I recommend a nice bath ball from Lush. I do. I'm, not, to, not to advertise, but... Um, uh, and and just, just let all of the stresses of the day leave your body as you read your book and listen to your podcast or watch your TV show. And then once you're in this sort of like beatific state that accompanies a good, perfectly temperatured bath ball, bath bomb kind of bath, then... Then you start the scrubbing and the shampooing and everything. And it's, it's almost, by then you're so relaxed you don't mind. Okay,
1: I don't understand, that I'm never going to. We got another question. It's from Naomi, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I'm going to college next year and I found my roommate through Facebook. We've only met briefly one time in person and I'm nervous about becoming friends since we're both introverts. How do I become friends with my new roommate? And how were your college roommates... Well, I think,
0: uh, Hank, have you ever seen the movie Speed? Uh, The one with Keanu Reeves and and, and Sandra Bullock? Yeah, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock share a very intense experience. And they don't have a lot in common, but because they've shared this really intense experience of being on a bus that if it went below 50 miles an hour was going to explode, at the end of the movie, they end up dating. And they aren't dating because they actually liked each other or anything like that. They're just dating because they do they did this amazing, weird thing together, and I think that's kind of what having your college roommate is like. Um, <laughs> you become friends just because you're doing this weird, intense thing together. Now, hopefully, you also turn out to be like well matched and have a good mm-hmm. long term friendship. But the, the the initial connection is just like, can you believe that we're doing this? Right. Yeah. No. I think that's I think that's a really good point.
1: Um, I think that there are ways to foster it uh and to and to op- and and opening yourself up can be very hard but but i i generally think that people respond to uh to people letting pe- people respond to trust with trust uh they respond to being trusted by being trustworthy and i i think that like opening up uh and saying like i'm going to i'm going to trust you with some bits of me um that will cause them to open up and then it is then like friendship is sort of uh, a foregone conclusion at that point.
0: Yeah, you know, I actually remember the very first conversation I had with my college roommate. Um Me too. We're not in great touch now, but we were we were very close friends for a long time. Uh, I said um, I believe this is the one of the first things I ever said to him. I said there's something that you should know. I smoke cigarettes. Um I won't do it in the room or anything. And then he said, well, there's something that you should know. I know the middle names of all of the U.S. presidents. <laughs> and I was like, I think we'll get along fine. <laughs>
1: I, uh, I just remember it being very like, uh, I, I don't remember the, the content of the conversation, but I remember where we were sitting and how we were sitting. And, uh, and like it was, it was weird because we were in the wrong room. Um, our room wasn't ready, so we were like basically in a hotel room and uh mm-hmm. and we just uh yeah we just chilled and and like we're very open and it was like it was sort of like the most open we were in our whole relationship was that first conversation and and you know he turned out to you know have very different interests than me and and so that first college roommate we didn't become great friends but um but i i felt a little bit like even though he had these really good friends that were like you know in, in his like sort of interest areas um that when there was, like, bigger stuff, he would come to me with that stuff almost just because I was there and also not involved in all of that.
0: Right, that's a good point. You're gonna be okay is the long and short of it. Um, I think I think most of our advice boils down to you're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think you're gonna and be okay. And then there's that little, there's that little, like, 10% of the advice that's like, you're gonna be okay, but uh, we're all gonna die. <laughs> It's always good to throw that in. So you're also kind of not, not going to be okay. (laughs) You know, like you're going to be okay in the short run, but in the long run, I am concerned. Um, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Erica, who writes, Dear John and Hank. Just recently, half an hour ago, I broke my favorite mug. It was yellow and had a cute little handle. It has no sentimental value, but it was undoubtedly the best mug in my apartment, and I used it practically every day. No other mug has ever measured up. And it feels so odd using the past tense here because I can't believe it is gone. My question is, how long is the appropriate mourning period for a broken mug? I feel like I lost a friend or something. I cried a lot when it first broke, and I tear up every time I think about it. Bear in mind, every time I think about it, This has hour. only been the 30 minutes. <laughs> I wish I didn't cry so easily, but I think that might be a separate issue. Yeah, I'm glad that you didn't write in about that. <laughs> That's, I, have, I have no advice on crying too much, except that um, I, I also do it. Any advice on how to get over the loss of a truly unique and excellent mug? Well, Erica, I, I suspect that you are over it, um, that, in, that in the time that it took you uh, took us to answer your question. Y- you move through all five of the stages of grief. Um, I know what it's like, though, to lose something that's, uh, th- that you really like. And it's a stupid little thing, but you still you still miss it. It made your life better in a, in a little way. In fact, I still remember, Hank, you probably don't remember this at all, but one time mom had this cookie jar that she really loved. Oh, it was dad's uh, cookie jar, Tuggle. No, I remember Tuggle. Dad's cookie jar. Well, okay, you tell the story because apparently I don't remember any of it.
1: Well, I, I will just say that Mom just texted me back, and indeed, uh, Papa served in in World War II. So I, you were right about that, but I was right about this cookie jar. And uh, yeah, all right,
0: I'm going to text Mom about the cookie jar while you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: She's going to be very confused. While you
0: tell the story. Uh,
1: so yeah, it, it was. I mean, you have children, and you have ceramic things. You must know that there is a there is a high chance that that ceramic thing is going to stop existing at some point. and And uh, indeed, Tuggle, the cookie jar, it was a cookie jar in the shape of a tugboat, um, did did not survive our childhood.
0: And I couldn't even tell oh, you... Oh, that was a bad day, though. I, I remember who it, did it? was it a me? very bad day. Was it me? I think it was kind of us. I think it was one of those real shared blame moments.
1: Uh, well, uh, yeah, it was. And, and indeed... Um, you i would not have thought that they would have been so distraught or that dad would have been so distraught about the the destruction of of this this tugboat cookie jar
0: but you never know you never know what the thing is that you feel this deep connection to and maybe yeah. it contains some memories although erica goes to length to point out that the mug had no sentimental value at all my you know my main <laughs> advice erica would be to go to dftba.com and get yourself a, a couple of brand new mugs because they're affordable they're excellent quality And uh, you'll find that they serve in almost exactly uh, the same fashion as your yellow mug with the cute little handle. You answered this question
1: purely so you could plug mugs on DFTBA.com, didn't you, John? Just be honest. I wouldn't
0: say I answered the question purely so that I could remind people they can get excellent coffee mugs and uh, T-shirts and other things at DFTBA.com right now. Uh, but I do think that it's an important part of the question just to remind people that DFTBA.com is your home for excellent mugs, T-shirts, posters, and etc. Cetera. Et cetera. Uh, what was that URL again, John? I think I may have forgotten it. Oh, it's easy to remember, Hank. It's uh, don't forget to be awesome. But just you just shorten it into an initialism so that it's DFTBA.com. And once you go there, you'll just be overwhelmed by the consumer products that are available to you, all of such <laughs> astonishingly high quality, um, and yet at the same time surprisingly affordable. I think, John, it may be possible that today's
1: podcast is brought to you by DFTBA.com. DFTBA.com, where you can get all
0: of the things that you might want. That should be our real tagline. And today's podcast is also brought to you by Toxic Megacolon. Toxic Megacolon, not just a terrible disease, also a band in New York City. Uh, This podcast is additionally
1: brought to you by stewing in your own filth for 20 minutes while reading a book, because that's supposed to get you clean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I do not apologize. And of course, today's podcast, (laughs) I do not, I do not. And of course, today's podcast is also brought to you by Snapchat. Snapchat. Hank is at Hank GRE and it really makes him happy when you follow him on Snapchat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, I, 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 I have so many thoughts on Snapchat that I'm going to move right on and not talk about any of them lest we talk about Snapchat for the entire uh, podcast.
0: Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blueland products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off.
1: This question is from Piper. It's very important, John. Yep. Uh, Piper asks Dear Hank and John, why is it that soft, chunky chips, chips as in French fries, taste so much worse than thin, crispy chips? It can't simply be because they're bigger because I could put three small chips together and it would taste better than the mushy big chips. Is there some sort of scientific answer here? It can't possibly be personal preference because everyone knows that small crispy chips are better.
0: Well, I mean, part of it is personal preference, right? Because some people like so-called steak fries uh, or... or
1: Right, yeah, steak fries. That's what they call them in America. Or the
0: large uh, crispy chips. I personally enjoy uh, what are usually known as shoestring fries, um, yes, that, for instance, yes. you get at uh, at Steak and Shake. I like those the the shoestringier the better. Um, And I think it boils down to the same thing. A few weeks ago, we talked about why regular m ms are, in our opinion, so much better uh, than mini m ms but many people like mini m ms better. It all boils down to uh, either candy to chocolate ratio, or Mm -hmm. in this case, I think, fry to potato ratio. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's that that crispy, like like just eating a
1: cooked, like a baked potato, it's got its It's got its perks, but you're going to put a bunch of butter and sour cream on there or chili or something. Cheese because it, like, just potato, while, uh, you know, containing lots of nutrition, does not uh, have a great flavor. It's pretty bland, but if you fry it, you get a little bit of that, some kind of chemical reaction going on where you get the crispiness, and there's also some added flavor, and also that added oil, which is basically your butter substitute, and uh, oil's good, so you get that mix of both the starch and the fat. And uh, and I feel like there's got there's like an optimal ratio there, and you want in general more fat to f- to starch because we're humans and and that uh, that's all good that's all good stuff for our for our energy
0: needs. Well, that's very interesting, Hank. We're going to move on to a serious question now, uh, if we can. Uh, this question is from Guillaume or Guillaume. I don't know. I'm not. I'm really bad at pronouncing French names. Dear John and Hank. I only had three years of high school French I'm a 34 year old guy with two kids six and three I've been with my wife for 14 years and today she announced she doesn't love me anymore and wants to leave I'm a bit of a loner and she's been almost my only friend in those years she's more outgoing and has always wanted to do more things with her friends while I've pulled back even more with the kids and all the things that we had to do and all the bad nights that's what drove her away I wasn't doing enough she lost some friends and now she realized we're too different she feels like she's going to be more happy without me with someone else I obviously don't want her to leave, but it looks like it's going to happen. Winning her back seems hard, but letting her go seems harder. I'm a very rational guy, and I understand that I might find happiness in the future, but I see the road ahead, and I'm not sure I want to face it. Any dubious advice? That's a very serious oh, question, John. You, you
1: picked out, I think, maybe the most serious question we got this month.
0: I actually, we got so many questions about divorce in the last uh, two weeks, hmm. Hank. That uh, I felt like we should answer one of them because uh, I, I, I mean, the short answer for me is that um, you're right that the short-term road ahead is going to be very difficult, no matter mm-hmm. what. Um, you know, and I, I don't know the particulars of your situation. I don't know if it makes sense to go to couples counseling. I don't know, um, uh, you know, what makes sense for for your family you guys are gonna to have to figure that out but it will be hard um, and sometimes there's something really overwhelming about knowing that you're facing uh, a hard you know year or two years or or who knows how long but uh, at the same time I think you're also right uh, that you can find happiness in the future um, and that it this time won't be merely hard it will also be many other things um, and uh, that's the best. Kind of hope that I can offer. I think uh, it isn't going to be easy. Divorce isn't easy. Um, it's extremely, extremely difficult. But it's also it's not the end of your life. It's not the end of mm-hmm. uh, end of your world.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I m- if I was in that situation, more than anything, I, 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 you know, there there are a lot of things to mourn. There, I think that it's a it's kind of a grieving process uh, and has to be considered to be. You Know, like, understand that this is going to be tough for a lot of different reasons and that that's normal and natural, and um, and like lo- losing the stability that your life had and you know, and having to go into this no- new unknown future is no fun,
0: but, but yeah, there's a lot of grief there yeah, for but sure. Knowing that, uh, and that's I think normal. in some ways, probably, tr- yeah, treating it as grief is probably useful, um, you know, to understand that uh, you don't like when you're in a grieving process, you don't wake up one day better, you know, it's just a, it's a slow transformation and understanding that. Yeah. I think not denying that is really important, but there's no, uh, at least that I've, that I've seen from, from my friends who've been through divorce, there's no easy way to go through it. But, um, but there is another side, you know, like there is you, life does go on and, and life can be very fulfilling and good again.
1: I have another question, John. This one's from Robin, who asks, Dear Hank and John, One of my favorite things to do every day is to listen to podcasts while I walk my dog, Murray. When Murray and I are out, we are controlled walking, not smelling flowers and definitely not chit-chatting with neighbors. But the weather is getting nicer and more people are outside and so many old people are out trying to find people to talk to. I don't like feeling obligated to smile and wave at these strangers. I just want to listen to my pod. But I can't help feeling guilty, or worse, mad at them for making me feel guilty. Am I being rude? Am I the problem? What's the best way to walk past my neighbors? This feels more like a John question, because I'm totally the annoying talkie person. And I feel bad maybe for now for being the annoying talkie person who is like, Take your headphones out. Let's make a connection. We're all experiencing this beautiful life together. We might as well talk about it. Can I pet your dog? Uh, I I feel like you might be less of that kind of person. Well,
0: I don't totally disagree with you, Hank, because I do think that like um, you know life is uh, life is social, and uh, when you're in social spaces, it's good to uh, smile and and wave, uh, even if it feels like an obligation. Like making those uh, tiny social connections is a huge part of what a lot of people find fulfilling about being on Earth, and I think it's very difficult to have a life that's completely separated from all other people, like. Humans aren't uh, aren't really d- designed to be islands. Although obviously, you know, lots of people have different ways of uh, connecting to others, etc. But uh, I will say that one time I was on an airplane, and um, uh, the woman sitting next to me was very anxious, and I am also very anxious, Hank. And I don't know if you know this, but when you pluck a perfectly tuned G string. Um, a G string <laughs> on an instrument far away from that uh, instrument, but not too far, will also begin to vibrate. Did you know that?
1: Yes, I did. Th- I did know that.
0: Yeah. So sometimes when when I when when somebody it, it, who is a very anxious person when their string is vibrating. I feel that vibration very intensely because I am also a very anxious person. And so this this person was very, very anxious about flying. And I, I'm sympathetic to the problem because I, I am also a bit of an anxious flyer. But I was just trying to survive my uh, flight. So I put headphones in as a way of saying as politely as I could, I need this conversation to be over um, mm-hmm. And the woman reached over, and she touched my ear. It was a stranger. We were not acquainted. Oh. She touched my, oh, my ear, goodness. and she removed the earbud from my ear. And I have never in my life come closer to just disappearing. <laughs> I very nearly oh. just ceased to be.
1: I, I thought you were going to say I very nearly, like literally physically attacked a person
0: because that is no 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 no. i didn't have any desire to to hurt this person i just had an intense desire not to be where i was (laughs) i mean yes and i wanted it so badly that it almost happened i almost wasn't (laughs) where i was (laughs) um Anyway, long all of which is just to say that I'm sympathetic to, to Robin's position about, uh, you know, w- wanting to be left alone. Uh, but at the same time, like when you go out into a social space, like you have to understand that um, part of that is waving at strangers. I think it's fine to have headphones in and then you can just sort of wave and smile rather than having a whole conversation. Because if someone starts to speak to you, you can just point at the ears and hopefully they won't reach over to touch your ears and remove the earbud from your ears. And presumably, if that does happen, Murray will be there to support you.
1: Uh, and I have to say that there is an adorable picture of Murray hiding in a bathtub, which we will attempt to put on the Patreon uh, for everyone to see. I have uh, I think one last question before we get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, John. Okay. Uh, it's from PX, who asks, Dear Hank and John, thank you for the podcast. It's one of the highlights of my week. Thank you, PX. The question is, in what ways do you think your experiences of the last Nine years would have been different uh, or similar
0: if instead of being the Vlog Brothers, you were the Vlog Sisters. Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think the first—I don't think we would have done it. I, I, I certainly don't think that we would have um, been able to build an audience uh, and in, in the same way, because much earlier on in the process, uh, people would have started, you know threatening us mm-hmm. and and stalking and all of the stuff that uh that happens to women on the internet disproportionately um and anybody who, who doesn't believe that that stuff happens disproportionately to women on the internet just needs to make some female friends who are on the internet because i i mean i you know there almost everyone uh i know who's a content creator who has more than about a thousand uh mm-hmm. average viewers um has experienced that kind of harassment and Hank and I have had it but to a much much smaller extent and much much later in our careers when we were better able to deal with it um you know we had more resources we had more support from people professional and personal support um so yeah I agree I don't think we would have i don't think we would have built um i don't think we would have built the same audience I think if we'd done it we would have quit much sooner mm-hmm. um and i yeah i t- I totally agree unfortunately I think that that's uh one of the many, many ways in which the internet is structurally yeah. misogynistic. It is
1: very hard to know exactly, uh, but every female YouTuber I know has dealt with harassment and stalking and like legitimately threatening messages and things that we really, like even now, kind of like at, at that scale haven't experienced and I have watched, people disengage from the platform amazing content creators who who do great stuff either take long breaks which can really you know hinder your growth on YouTube or just go away and and stop doing it and you know like get a you know normal job uh because of that and i and i i can't like even like the people i know who have pushed through and just done it and done it and done it and like i when i hear their stories or like i've even like you know, like talk to them about it. And they've sent me emails uh, of what, you know, like, like like forward me emails to be like, is this like something I should be worried about? Like I got an email like that. I'd just be out. I'd just, yep. I can't even imagine.
0: Yeah, no, I, I me too. I think that, um, yeah, I think uh, it's really, it's horrifying and it's a huge problem and it's an under discussed problem. Uh, you, you hear all the time. Why aren't there more uh, women making uh, YouTube videos and I think the answer is pretty clear and pretty straightforward which is that it's not a safe space um, for a lot of women and, and a lot of women don't don't feel uh, safe making YouTube videos and with good reason. I have great admiration for those who continue to make uh, videos in spite of it. I also have admiration for the people who uh, just say this is not going to be part of my life because I have to uh, stay safe and mm-hmm. uh, do do work that where I feel comfortable and uh Not constantly threatened,
1: yeah, all right, John. Uh, well, I imagine that you have some news from AFC Wimbledon, but would you like me to do the news from Mars first?
0: yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sure, whatever. So SpaceX, you know SpaceX, John. Elon Musk. Uh, They not only have had now two successful uh, reusable rocket landings, the second one coming from a much higher altitude than the first, um, where these these rockets have uh, come back to Earth and landed themselves on drone ships at sea, which is just remarkable to see, and uh, it kind of feels impossible to me, but there you have it. It's happening. Um wants to send a probe to Mars, a large probe to Mars, larger than, uh, a, a lander that would be larger than uh, Curiosity, which is, I think, the largest thing that we've ever sent to Mars so far, um, by 2018, which is, I mean, I, Elon Musk is very optimistic often with his timelines. So I'm not saying this is going to happen in 2018, but that is really soon uh, for a mission that hasn't even like the lander hasn't even been designed yet, the the rocket that would launch it hasn't ever been launched to space. So this is like a, it's an, a modification of exist of an existing rocket, but it is a rocket that's never been tested, and um, like just so ambitious, but also very exciting. And and I think that the It hasn't been discussed too much, but uh, my guess is that this would be a a sample return mission. When we're talking about the kind of mass that they want this thing to be, um, that's probably because it would have to have on it enough fuel to then launch back off the surface of Mars. And that means that they want to collect some rocks and some dirt from the surface of Mars and then, uh, and then launch it back off the surface of Mars and have it land on Earth so that we can get those rocks directly from the surface of Mars and do research on them, which is so cool. And I've been waiting for a, a Mars sample return for my whole life. And if we had one by 2018, which would mean we would be studying those rocks back from the surface of Mars, you know, in the early 2020s, that would just make my dreams come true.
0: Well, Hank, speaking of dreams coming true, you may recall uh, that just 14 short years ago, AFC Wimbledon was playing in the ninth tier of English football, the Combined Counties League, uh, and that today they are a team in the fourth tier of English soccer. Uh, They are in the football league. They are a full-time professional team again. Uh, The goal this season, you'll recall from the early podcasts, was to stay up, to stay in the football league. Uh, I never dared to dream that AFC Wimbledon might find themselves in the playoffs with a 25% chance of going up to League One, the third tier of English football. Uh, They're just too underfunded. They're owned by their fans, not by some rich person. They don't have... um, Yeah, I mean, you know... They don't have some like fancy new stadium, although hopefully someday they will. Uh, and and yet, and yet, after winning five straight games, uh, AFC Wimbledon found themselves in a very good position to get into the playoffs. Uh, they then lost to Portsmouth, which was a disappointing result. Uh, then they were playing your beloved Stevenage, Hank. You'll recall know, that you're a Stevenage could... fan.
1: Yeah this this couldn't have gone better for me frankly because if 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 Stevenage had won it wouldn't have helped them out at all. No. But if the but it would have been terrible for Wimbledon. Correct. But if Stevenage had had lost then you know it would have been like oh they lost
0: that's kind of sad. But instead what happened? Instead they tied 0-0. Um, the most exciting at the end football of the game score. it appeared that uh, that was not enough. Uh, but then something amazing happened, which is that some team, I can't even remember who, I think that they are maybe, uh, I, all I, Plymouth, maybe? Plymouth's Rock? I don't know. All I know is that some team scored against Cambridge United in the last minute of that game. And because that game was a tie, AFC Wimbledon then qualified for the playoffs, which created this hilarious and surreal situation in which AFC Wimbledon players Two minutes after their game ended, we're suddenly celebrating like crazy, having tied Stevenage. Um, <laughs> AFC Wimbledon qualify for the playoffs in seventh spot, the the last of the uh, the last of the four playoff spots. Um, they will play uh, Accrington Stanley, another fan owned team. Hank, by the way, uh, at, in the semifinals. It's home and away, so uh, first. Uh, Accrington Stanley will come visit AFC Wimbledon and uh, on May 14th, which will be after uh, this or before this podcast airs. So you people who are listening to this now know of a future that is either very good or very bad or possibly neutral. Um, and then they will play uh, at Accrington Stanley in the second uh, part of that home away uh two game series and then the combined score of those two games will will we'll decide who goes to the playoff final to be played may thirtieth at Wembley stadium Hank this is like a eighty thousand person stadium it would be just just i, I it 's just unbelievable the whole situation is just it 's beautiful it 's unbelievable it 's overwhelming it's terrifying it's it 's everything that human life can be um And the last thing I wanted to say (laughs) on the news from AFC Wimbledon is that Wimbledon just played— so their last game against Newport County of the season um, was essentially, you know, there wasn't anything to play for. They were already going to be seventh. It didn't matter whether they won or tied or lost. uh, But they won that game. They won it 1-0 because they got a penalty. And Ottobio Akinfenwa— The 34-year-old, largest and greatest, both in terms of mass and quality, professional soccer player um, in the world today, uh, was handed the ball to take the penalty. And it might be was last game uh, playing for Wimbledon. It might even be uh, the last game... In his career, for all we know, Uh, he may be retiring. It's very possibly uh, his last game playing for Wimbledon, though. And, uh, you know, obviously you you want to score in your last game and and he's a legend uh, to AFC Wimbledon fans, but he chose not to take the penalty. Instead, he handed the ball uh, to an 18 year old kid who was making his debut that day. Um, and let him take the penalty. He scored. Uh, AFC Wimbledon won 1 0. And I think Autobiolak and Fenwa showed that young man and everybody uh, who supports AFC Wimbledon uh, what what it is to be a good leader and to be a good mentor and to be a good teammate. And I'm so, so proud of this team and I'm so excited. I just hope that they beat Accrington Stanley on May 14th. The playoff, uh, the second leg is on May 18th. So, Hank, that means uh, on May 19th, which will be probably before we next record a podcast, isn't it? Won't it? Oh, yeah. gosh,
1: it may be unless we figure out a way to do it while I'm on the road.
0: So, before we next record a podcast, I will know whether I am going to be spending May 30th in London or not.
1: Wow, that's super exciting. I uh, It's pretty crazy. I, I am very pleased. And if you guys win this... I oh it's too scary and I just the idea of kicking that penalty kick too after Akin gives me the ball I don't know how professional sports players do that I I would have definitely missed I mean I wouldn't even have I wouldn't even have hit the ball I would have just just whiffed (laughs) kicked a bunch of grass
0: yeah I mean I do so these these playoffs you know they can go they can go to extra time and then penalties Um, in fact it was you know because of uh, playoff. It was in a playoff final that AFC Wimbledon made it back into the football league uh, in 2011 on on a penalty shootout. I cannot imagine taking a penalty shootout and you walk up there and you put the ball on the spot and you know that if you miss, your team will not like be promoted. Mm-hmm. It's just I can't. I would. I. You're you're absolutely right. I would not hit the ball. I would. I would kick the air and then the referee would have to make a decision as to whether that counted as an attempt. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, John, what did we learn today? Hank, before we wrap things up here, I have a quick update from the future. This is John from the future here. AFC Wimbledon has played the first leg of their playoff semifinal against Accrington Stanley. It was the home leg. It was nil-nil in the 90th minute. It appeared that the game would end that way. But then, Otobio Akin Venwa got a ball right on the touchline passed it into the middle. There was a bit of a scrum, and who should emerge from that scrum to score a goal but Tom Beer. You've never heard me say that name, Hank, because Tom Beer had never scored a goal for AFC Wimbledon. In fact, he'd never scored a goal in the football league. He's an AFC Wimbledon Youth Academy graduate who was recently on loan to a sixth tier team who scored in the playoff semifinals for his hometown team AFC Wimbledon it was a miracle it was beautiful everything was beautiful nothing hurt now uh on Wednesday they will play Accrington Stanley in the second leg of that semifinal if they win or tie they uh they go to Wembley and that would mean that I would also go to Wembley so that is the update on AFC Wimbledon incredibly exciting stuff Hank uh, all I'm saying is that I, I think that we've learned that AFC Wimbledon, win or lose, uh, is probably the greatest collection of human beings in the history of this planet, <laughs> and possibly even Mars.
1: <laughs> probably, uh, if yep. Anyway, uh, I, we learned to to uh, that skinny fries are just better because of the starch to oil crispiness ratio.
0: We learned that toxic megacolon is not just something to be feared, but also something to be listened to.
1: And we learned to never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, but especially when containing an earbud, should you touch John Green's ear.
0: Really, just don't touch the ears of strangers. I think that's pretty, like, fundamental human fact. (laughs) Never.
1: Never do that. Thanks for
0: listening to our podcast, which is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. Our intern is Claudia Morales. Rosiana Hulse-Rojas helps us out with the questions. Our theme music is by Gunnarola. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com if you'd like to ask us a question, or uh, you can uh, go to the Twitter and use the hashtag #DearHankAndJohn. I'm ha- I'm I, I, I'm Hank Green on Twitter. No, I'm not. I'm John Green on Twitter. <laughs> Hank is Hank Green. Um, you can also follow us on our preferred social network, Snapchat, where Hank is Hank G R E, and I am, I am John Green's Naps. John
1: Green's Naps. Uh, and uh, we have, if you would like to help us produce the podcast to help pay our intern and uh, and Nick, our editor, you can help us out at patreon.com slash Dear and John. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.